Hello, and welcome to the Pursuit City Church podcast. Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will feel encouraged as well as challenged through the Word of God. If you need prayer or want to share your story, please send an email to info at PursuitCC.com. Get ready to enjoy this message. God bless. series called The Key of David, and it's going to be fun. I am already anticipating this is going to be a favorite of mine as I got prepared to start studying this. Um, If you'd like to follow along in your notes today, you can do so by texting the word sermons to 94,000, and it'll send you the link. So as I said, we're going to start a new series. Oh, you know what? First, can we pause and pray? Um, there's a several people that are out sick today, kids and adults. So just do me a favor. Just lift your hands with me. Let's pray. Lord, Father, we thank you so much for healing for your people, healing for every single person that is struggling with illness this morning, every, every child that is struggling with illness this morning. We pray for healing over their body, that they would recover quickly and get back to normal, get back on their feet in Jesus' name. Amen. Anytime people are struggling with uh, physical things, we know that uh, we have to come together. Amen. We have to believe for healing. Don't start coughing now. I'm going to pray for you next. Just kidding. (laughs) My son's been coughing like all week, and he's finally starting to feel better. Uh, My other son's his birthday today, and I'm like, man, you you can't be sick on your birthday, so you better get better. So if you see Joel, just slap it for me. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So as I said, we're going to start a new series. Uh, basically about the life of David. And uh, the first thing I want to do is read a little bit in the book of Isaiah about the key of David. There are only two places that you read about the key of David, but it is such a powerful thing that I felt like we could spend some time on this. So this is going to be a six-part series. It's going to be fun. We're going to spread it out over the next couple of months. So my challenge to each of you is come for all six parts. Get here for all six parts, because I think it's going to be something that you'll look back and go, I remember this, because it will really help change mindset. Amen. We're going to read out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 22, verse 15. It says this. This is what the Lord, the Lord of heaven's army said to me. Confront Shebna, the palace administrator, and give him this message. I love this. Who do you think you are? (laughs) This is how God talks. Who do you think you are? And what are you doing here? Building a beautiful tomb for yourself, a monument high up in the rock. For the Lord is about to hurl you away, mighty man. He is going to grab you, crumple you into a ball, and toss you away into a distant barren land. And there you will die. And your glorious chariots will be broken and useless. You are a disgrace to your master. How would you like that prophecy? How would you like that fortune cookie? Hmm? No. And he says, yes, I will drive you out of office, says the Lord. I will pull you down from your high position. And then I will call my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkai, to replace you. I will dress him in your royal robes and will give him your title and your authority. And he will be a father to the people of Jerusalem and Judah. 
I will give him the key to the house of David, the highest position in the royal court. When he opens doors, no one will be able to close them. And when he closes doors, no one will be able to open them. He will bring honor to his family name, for I will drive him firmly in place like a nail in the wall. They will give him great responsibility, and he will bring honor to even the lowliest members of his family. That's powerful. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you for the life that it brings. We thank you for the correction that it brings. Lord, we ask for open minds this morning. Lord, we ask for restoration of our mind, for for a change in mindset, for a change in focus, for a redirection. Lord, let your word speak. Let it not be my voice, but yours in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's talk about this key for a second. A key, let me just pull out my keys. I have a very special key here. This key is a key to my office. You cannot get in my office without this. No one has this key, except maybe my wife, I think. The key is a symbol of authority. It's a symbol of access. It's a symbol of God's approval. If you have a key to my office, I approve of you to go in my office. Otherwise, stay out. That's how that goes. <laughs> you just got it now? What happened? The key is a symbol that God has put an approval on someone. So he's talking about the key of David. This man that they're referring to in the story, his name is Shebna. Already I'd be annoyed if my name was Shebna, but whatever. Shebna had assumed unlawful authority. He had taken authority. He had illegitimate authority. He had taken the keys. And so he is in place in a position that he put himself in, that he said, no, I want this. I'm going to take this. I don't need approval from anyone. I'm not going to ask anyone's request. I'm just going to do it. And so Shebna is ruling with illegitimate authority. And the key that he's talking about, the key of David, was used to establish God-ordained authority. You follow me? So why does David get a key named after him? This is one of the questions we're going to answer this morning. And what is the significance of the key for us today? Well, I think we should answer that one first. The significance for us today, in a nutshell, I'll give you the series in a nutshell. You ready? It's this. When there are things in your life that have claimed authority over you, unlawfully or illegitimately, then you need a cure. You need a remedy. And that is the key of David. The key of David comes as a symbol into your life to free you, to open doors that need to be open and shut doors that need to be shut. And when there's unlawful authority in your life, when there are things in your life that have claimed power over you that should not be, the key of David comes to reestablish God-ordained authority. You following so far? 
So in this series, we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to learn about David's heart for worship. It's deep. It's awesome. It's powerful. We're going to learn about David's heart for God. And then we're going to learn about his heart for the kingdom and his heart for people. But today, what we're going to do is we're going to set up the series by learning about what David does when he is faced with total loss, when he is faced with absolute failure, when he is faced with complete devastation. First Samuel chapter 30, we find such a powerful story. We're going to read in verse 1. It says, the three days later, this is after... A victory. Remember, we talked a, a couple of weeks about victories, right? You got to be careful after a victory. That's when the enemy comes to try and hit you low. And so this is after a victory. And then three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziglag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziglag. They had crushed Ziglag and burned it to the ground. This is David's home. This is where him and his men are hanging out. And this other group of people have come and completely burned it to the ground. They carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. So they came, they took their families. They took their stuff. They didn't kill anybody, but they took it all. They took their belongings, their families, their most precious possessions. Verse 2, they had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began talking of stoning him. See, this is what happens when, when loss and failure comes into play. Everyone starts pointing fingers. It must be his fault. Remember, as, as leaders, when someone's in a leadership position, everything starts and ends with them. So if there's loss, if there's failure, there's only one place to look. They start looking at David. But I love this verse. He says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Verse 7. Then he said to Abiathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. Now, I don't know if you know what an ephod is, but an ephod is a garment that priests wore underneath their outer cloak. It was the very thing that David danced in when his wife looked at him and said, "Ugh, he is annoying. I can't stand this guy. He is dancing in the streets with nothing but the ephod on. David was a king. He was a warrior. He was a prophet. But one thing he was not was a priest until God said, you know what? I'm going to let you be that too. And David was given authority as a priest, which is why he was allowed to ask for this ephod. This might not seem very significant that, okay, so he asked for some underwear. Cool. But you've got to understand the significance of this underwear. This meant 
that he was then accessible to God. You see, in the old way, the only people that had access to God was the priests. The only people that could talk to God for others was the priest. The only people that could truly worship God properly were the priests because they had been set apart. They've been consecrated. They've been living their life only to this. They didn't even get to own land. The only thing they owned was who? God. That's the only relationship they had to anything. They didn't get to keep anything, own anything, make any money. They served God. And that was it. And so David, being a king, being a warrior, being famous, being this big dude, and everyone knows him, but he is tender before the Lord. He is consecrated before the Lord. And God says, fine, I'll let you be a priest too. And he became this kind of secret priest. (laughs) And he learned this, this way of worshiping God. And so when he was faced with trouble, he said, bring me the ephod. I need to go before the Lord. I need to go worship. What he was saying when he said, bring me the ephod was, it's time for me to go seek the Lord. You got to remember, nobody else can do this. If they wanted to seek the Lord, they had to just pray and believe that God would do something. If they want to absolve themselves from their sins, they had to bring a a perfect lamb or a perfect calf. They had to come bring a sacrifice. If they wanted to talk to God in any way, they had to go through a priest and they had to bring something. David just had to put on something. That's all David had to do. And so when he put this on, all of a sudden now he is praying and standing before the very presence of God. He said, I need to worship. Bring me the ephod. And then he has a conversation. Should I chase after this band of raiders and will I catch them? He asked two questions. And God says, yes, go after them. And I love this. He says, you will surely recover everything that was taken from you. This is a powerful story. In verse 9, it says, so David and his 600 men, remember that number, his 600 men set out and they came to the brook of Besor. But 200 of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook. So David continued to pursue with 400 men. Along the way, they found an Egyptian man in a field and brought him to David. They gave him some bread and, and to eat and water to, to drink. They also gave him a part of a fig cake and two clusters of raisins, for he hadn't eaten anything or drank anything for three days and nights. Before long, his strength returned. To whom do you belong and where do you come from? David asked him. I am an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite, he replied. My master abandoned me three days ago because I was sick. We were on our way back from raiding the Carathites in the Negev, the territory of Judah and the land of Caleb, and we had just burned Ziklag. So he's telling him where the guys that did it. Verse 15, will you lead me to this band of raiders, David asked. The young man replied, if you make an oath with me in God's name that you will not kill me or give me back to my master, then I will guide you to them. He's like, look, I'm going to confess everything. I'm going to tell you everything. Just don't kill me, please. He said, yes. So he led David to them, and they found the Amalekites spread out across the fields, eating and drinking and dancing with joy because of the vast amount of plunder they had taken from the Philistines and the land of Judah. David and his men rushed in among them and slaughtered them throughout the night 
and the next entire next day until evening. They fought for over 24 hours. None of the Amalekites escaped except 400 young men who fled on camels. David got back everything the Amalekites had taken, and he rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. He also recovered all the flocks and herds, and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock. This plunder belongs to David, they said. And this is crazy. This is a crazy story because they go from wanting to almost stone David to death to saying, all this belongs to you now. Just like that. Everything changes just like that. But there's a reason it changed. There's a reason they were able to recover. And it's because David was sensitive enough to know that he could not proceed without doing something important first. This should speak heavily to us. That we would go through life making decisions on our own without consulting the Lord. See, the question should always be, Lord, what do I do? Do I do this or do I do that? The question should always be, if I'm going to proceed, have I worshipped yet? Have I sought the Lord yet? Have I spent time asking him what to do yet? Or have I just settled and said, "Uh, it'll work out? You see, I feel like so many times when we're making decisions about life, even if we don't get an answer right away, there's an important aspect to this that if we learn to worship first, everything gets solved in the process. If we learn to lay down our guard, you got to remember, in order for David to put on this ephod, he had to take his armor off. He had to take off everything that was protecting him. He had to take off everything that was guarding him. He had to take off. He had to put his helmet off to the side. He had to take off the warrior stuff for a second, and he had to get before God. And it's so easy for us to try and go to God, and we're still trying to carry in all the stuff that makes us us, so to speak, and it's not us. It's just what we do. We are who we are when we're wearing nothing but worship. I'm going to say it to this side of the room. Maybe you can get it. I say we are who we are when we're wearing nothing but worship. When we come to God and we're still trying to bring in all this stuff, like this is, this is a part of me now, God. This is a part of my life now. This is, this, is, this is who I am. No, it's not. David had to remove everything else. He had to put his crown to the side. He had to put his armor to the side, and he just worshipped. This is why David was different. This is why people scratch their heads at his life, and they look at what he's been through. Because the reality is this. David knew the secret. He knew how to worship. He knew how to seek God. He knew how to pray. He knew how to deal with life. 
He endured so much, and yet he always came out on top. You know why? Because he always went back to worship. He always went back naked before God and said, this is who I am. You can take everything else, but you just got to tell me what to do. Should I pursue or not? What kind of a question is that? They took his kids. They took his wife. Everyone's kids. I mean, for us, it wouldn't even be a question. We'd be sending every platoon we got to go get our stuff back, to go get our families back. But he stopped to ask that question. That's how in tune he was. I mean, really, think about it. Would you even think or would you just start reacting? Every instinct within us would be like, no, they have our families. We're going to break down whatever we got to break down to go get them. It doesn't matter if we die. But David paused. He waited and he asked, should I pursue? That's wild to me. He brings everything back. He's strong. He's mighty, but he's humble. As great of a warrior as he was, he knew that he could do nothing apart from the Lord. He could do nothing without his presence. He could do nothing without God's approval. This is the key of David. He knew that his approval did not come from his titles. It did not come from his earthly authority. His approval came from God and God alone. His approval came from heaven's authority. Worship team, y'all come up. There's a few things here that, that it says. It says, when David and his men saw the ruins, they realized what had happened to their families. Think about that visual. You just come back from this victory, you're probably already tired. And then they find everything is missing. Everything is burned. Their families are gone. Their stuff is gone. The entire city is burned to the ground. Everything's in ruins. And then they wept until they could weep no more. You see, this is important too, because what it says to us is that they were willing to take the time to grieve. They didn't just get angry and react. They took the time to grieve. They took the time to let it hit them. They didn't get enraged just yet. They let their emotions out. And then, and then after they let it all out, they started pointing fingers at David. We need to stone him. This is the human process. We try to find blame everywhere we can because we can't believe what has happened to us. 
And David doesn't respond. He just simply finds strength in the Lord. This is another powerful statement. That David knew where his strength comes from no matter what. He knew no matter what situation, he had to rely on the Lord. As strong as David was, as mighty as his was, he, he had killed Goliath. He had killed Goliath's cousin. He had conquered so many, and yet he knew where his strength needed to come from. Here's what I'm here to tell you this morning. Play when you're ready. Whatever ruins are left in your life, there is always potential for restoration. You might have come up on ruins in your life. You might have come up on devastation, but there is always potential for restoration. David recovered all. He got back everything. He was able to go and retrieve everything that he lost, not because he was that good, but because he trusted in the Lord. This is the word for someone here today. You might think that there is no way for God to restore what you've lost. You might think that there's no way for God to heal your body. You might think there's no way for God to mend those relationships. You might think there's no way for God. Come on, I need y'all to play. Let's go. You might think there's no way for God to heal your children, to save your children. You might think there's no way for God to restore your marriage, but I'm telling you right now, with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. And I need you to understand something this morning. If you learn to worship first, which is why I need the music, let's go. If you learn to worship first, then you have everything you need. You do not proceed without worshiping first. You do not proceed without laying down and getting on your face before God first. You do not proceed without saying, this is why I'm here. I'm here to tell you, you will recover all. You will recover all. Whatever it is that you've lost, it might not look the same the way it looked before. It might not be how you expect it, but you will recover all. You might get bruised in the process. There might be scrapes in the process, but you will recover all. Regardless of what you lost, regardless of the pain, you will recover all. I need you to stand this morning. You might be outnumbered, you might be underqualified, but as long as you have the word of the Lord to proceed, you will recover all. Hear me this morning. Learn to worship first. Learn to get the word of the Lord first. Learn to lay down at his feet first. And then whatever it is you're fighting for, you will recover all. David got the key named after him. 
because his only desire ever was to pursue God no matter what. This is the thing. Whatever trial, whatever frustration, whatever situation, whatever heartache, whatever pain, if you can learn to pursue God through it, you will eventually recover everything you've lost in it. Whatever the situation you're dealing with, whatever the loss and the devastation and the ruins, if you learn to worship through it, you will recover everything. Thank you for joining us this week. Our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing. If you would like to support our ministry, you can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets by using at PursuitCC. Thank you and God bless.